This episode of Higher Learning is brought to you by Different, an oil-free acne treatment designed to clear the acne you have and stop new acne in its tracks. That's because it has the number one prescription strength, retinoid. Do things different. Learn more and redeem a special offer at differin.com slash higher learning. That's D-I-F-F-E-R-I-N.com slash higher learning. All one word. Sometimes food is more than just food. It's a part of our community. So this year, Discover is giving $5 million to support Black-owned restaurants to places like Back in the Day Bakery, Post Office Pies, and hundreds more. Learn how you can show your support at discover.com. What's up, Thought Warriors? Welcome to Higher Learning. Put your thinking caps on. I am Van Lathan. What's up, guys? I'm Rachel Lindsay. Rachel, uh, what did you do this weekend? I knew, I knew that was the first thing you were going to ask me. Yeah, I was about to I check was, in on you. I, I hate to say this. Isn't it crazy we can't say this during these times? But I was a little under the weather. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, not, not with COVID. I have really, I get really bad sinuses. So I, I just have really bad sinuses. And so I had a little bit of yeah. a migraine, a little bit of sinus pressure. So okay. I was pretty much bedridden. Just watch movies. Okay, so let's go through your these face, symptoms one more time. Wait, 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 let's go through these symptoms. So you had a headache? Yes. Sinus pressure? Sinus pressure. Okay, no cough? No cough. No fever? No fever. All right, we good. We good. Yeah. Rachel, I just been concerned because last time we talked, you were talking about how much time you were spending on South Beach. And oh, now okay. you're saying that you've got some symptoms. And it's like, if I was to put, I'm not Sherlock Holmes, but if I were to put the two things together... It could be a little concerning is all I'm saying. For those of us who are, are, are new listeners joining, I had to take care of business on South Beach. I wasn't there for pleasure. I wasn't mm. on dancing on top of cars. I don't know if you saw the, those memes, but it was wild in South Beach this weekend because they're, they're shutting it down for Fourth of July. So people mm. are trying to get the party in right now. Yeah. Not I. I was Not in the you. bed. Right. So what you do this weekend? Wait, wait, wait. What you do this weekend? Oh, I boxed. I boxed. I went boxing. I went to As in like gym. like on the game? No, I went to I went boxing. I went to the boxing gym. You know what I mean? I went to the gym and I boxed. I, 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 you you I, got I, your creed on? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I got my ass whooped on Saturday. It's a true story. Uh, did the bag whoop your ass or did were you going against a person? I had a sparring partner. Okay. I had a sparring partner. So I hadn't sparred in a very long time. Shout out to Phil Polina and everybody at Polina Boxing. Um, we went there. Things were as safe as they could be. Only three people in the gym. You know, uh, temperature checks, everything wiped down the whole nine. It was good to see. Um, I got in there with a guy who, uh, before the the fight starts, the worst thing that can happen is I realize his age. Because, uh, you know, with brothers, you can never really tell. <laughs> Very true. Like, with brothers, you can tell. Like, literally, as a black man, you get to about 28 or 29. And at that point, you could either be 29 or you could be 55. Yep. For a lot of yep. brothers. Okay. Um, but this guy said, I just turned 51. Wow. And he was smaller than me. So even though I hadn't sparred and my, my body is fat and the cardio is not where normally I'm still running a lot, but my cardio is not boxing cardio. I thought I was going to go in there and really, you know, get off is what I thought. He got you. Now he didn't just get me. He was in there playing around. I mean, like the reality is that he might as well have been Sugar Ray Leonard. 
in there. Like that's teaching that old me. man strength. That's that old man strength. Old yeah. man strength. Like yeah. the, a gray beard, just putting them hands on me. But you know what? Here's the thing about combat fighting. After he was done schooling me, busting me all in the solar plexus and stuff like that, we pieced it up. After that, you know, I got some tips, got some pointers. I went to the gym today, moving around. I'm feeling better, man. I'm, I get my rematch this week. I get a rematch against him this week. Oh, we're week. rematching. Oh, we're going back. <laughs> you think I'm just going to you gonna be punching my shit and not try to go back and get him back? Well, you said he me. was just playing around. So it sounds like you didn't learn your lesson. I, I feel like he's going to step up his game. Remember, you get, you get a weekend and so does he. Yeah, but at the same time, but look, you understand though, it's like he has been training. So my I, catching him is going to be easier than it is be for him to put more time ahead of me. You know what I'm saying? Like me closing the gap is going to happen sooner than him getting better than me. He's been training. That's the best I'm going to see from him. What time is this match going down? I think it's 11 on Thursday. So when we were y'all go the next TMZ box, him. Bring, bring the cameras. Oh my I God. want audio. Wow. I want to see it. I want to see oh. it. What? I, I got the last stuff on video. I'll send it to you I if you want to see it. it. No, no, no. Don't send it to no, me. Why would you send it wait? to everybody. You think I'm going to post? Why would I post that? You know, I can't post anything with already getting like crazy comments from people. You think I'm going to post <laughs> me getting my ass whooped? Things. I don't say crazy things. <laughs> I, I, why, the, the, the support is really not not there. But look, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you're doing okay uh, because we need you. We need your voice out here in these streets because President Trump... <sighs> President Trump, he's the president. Donald Trump is the president of the United States of America. Crazy times. President Trump, um, I want everyone to sit in the moment of what I'm about to say. And I want you to consider the times that we live in when I say this. The president of the United States of America retweeted a video where someone says white power. I will repeat very slowly for you. The president of the United States of America, the most powerful man in the free world, the leader of the country, retweeted a video from down in Florida where some residents of a South Florida community were screaming white power that came from the highest office of the land. Big Rach, your thoughts. I mean, what do you even say after that, Van? You can't make this up. I mean, I, I'm to the point right now, like some things Trump does, we laugh at, we make fun of. But retweeting, you holding the highest office in our country, an office that is regarded as, you know, the 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 top, something you aspire to, something that you... Uh, you uh, our president, our leader of our country is promoting white power. I'm to the point now where you can't talk to me about Trump. Mm. I, because if you're excusing him, if you're trying, like excusing what he's doing, if you're trying to defend him, then you are excusing and defending hate, racism, stupidity, and lying. I mean, I, I can't, I can't comprehend it. I know people who are Trump supporters. I know people who repost things on social media in regards to Trump. And at this point, I, I, I don't get it because Trump is either a racist or a blithering idiot or both. 
It's one of those three options. And this is somebody who is representing us as a nation. And that's what he stands for. And that's what he represents. I mean, Trump's people are saying that he did not hear white power. So to be clear, if you haven't seen the video, the white power is chanted within the first eight seconds of the video. There's no way you didn't hear it. There's no way you didn't watch it. And even if you didn't hear it, the video has people calling Trump supporters racist. They're protesters calling them racist. Why would you retweet that? Why would you put a stamp of approval on people who support you as racist? Why are you empowering white power, racism, hate? I don't understand it. I, 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 I'm like, I'm done. I'm almost speechless. It's hard for me to even talk about it because it's just so he's a demon, man. He's mm. a, de- a real life demon. And he is representing this country that we live in. Don't, don't, nobody talk to me about Trump anymore. Nobody. It's mm. not a productive argument. We can't have an educated conversation. It's impossible. If you support Trump, you are aligned with the same things that he stands for. That's how yeah. I see it. So, uh, yeah, I, I agree. I agree totally. Uh, of course, uh, as is customary, when the president does something like this, his people came out, like you said, said that he didn't mean it. Now, so we're to, in order to normalize Donald Trump, we have to believe that it's interesting what Trump supporters want you to believe. They want you to believe that Trump is both in some way the sharpest, most accomplished American president ever, who is a, a shrewd dealmaker, uh, an attention to detail freak, someone whose mind is a steel trap. And at the same time, he is responsible for nothing that he ever says or does. So. President says that people should try to uh, inject themselves with bleach or hit themselves with a tremendous light to cure the coronavirus. Uh, then he didn't really mean that. If the president retweets a video where people are shouting white power, well, he didn't, he, he didn't really hear that. Uh, we do more psychoanalyzation of any figure in America. Uh, we do that of Trump more than we do any other figure in America. They're always trying to tell you what he actually meant when he was joking, what he was trying to say what he actually was trying to accomplish, what he was trying to do. I think that there's not a more intentional president uh, in the history of the office than Donald Trump. I think everything that he does is with an insane amount of intentionality. He mm-hmm. knows exactly what effect he's trying to um, uh, to produce. Uh, and he knows exactly who he's trying to trigger and exactly who he's talking to. I obviously don't believe that President Trump didn't know that he was retweeting something with white power. I think he wants the white power people that he's always cozied up to to know that he is their president. Mm -hmm. I think that's the only takeaway. I think when you have a president while he was running who refused to disavow and condemn David Duke, that was pretty clear that whatever David Duke and that contingent of Americans was offering the president, that he was willing to take it. So to your point, it's no longer about Donald Trump. It has nothing to do with President Trump. Okay. Uh, it, no matter what it is that you talk to me about the president, if you talk to me about, you know, unemployment, if you talk to me about, uh, what he's done for farmers, uh, even the first step act, which uh, was a, was a good piece of legislation that was passed under the Trump administration. Now I will say this every time. We get into a discuss, discussion about the, the, the first step act and police reform. I want you guys to know that a, 
that a stricter, more useful bill was presented to President Obama during his time, and the Republicans shot that bill down. So what you got was sort of a watered-down addressing the police reform, um, which the Democrats went along with as far as the First Step Act, but I'm not going to, because of my political differences with someone, uh, spit on progress. Okay. This is what I'll say. I'll say that there is no longer any intellectual way to dis- to defend the president. Exactly. There's not. If you are pledging allegiance to the cult of Donald Trump, if if you are uh, drinking the Kool-Aid uh, of the president, then that's fine by you. And I'm talking directly to Dan Crenshaw. I'm talking directly to Tim Scott, who we would have, we are looking to have on this podcast. Any of the Republican leaders that are in the House, any of the people that I've talked to before that give me reasons why they support the president. Uh, we're talking about Senator Tim Scott, who said that the president should take it down. Um, he said it was indefensible. Indefensible. The president should take it down. Mm-hmm. I understand that. And I'm seeking to understand the other side wholeheartedly. I am. But when you understand what white power means and what that's meant, directly to black to black people's lives not just in terms of the domestic terrorism of the skinheads and the kkk but also in terms of what the term white power has inflicted upon us what that means to have the president co-sign that with a retweet it's not just indefensible it's disqualifying president trump should resign yeah and if you were following president trump before all of this, and you still consider yourself to be a Trump supporter, I can't in good faith build with you because I think that you'll go along with anything. Well, we saw that this weekend. So, you know, I'm I'm very I'm normally very more turned up about these things, but I'm very calm now because I've <clears throat> achieved clarity in my relationship with the American public and the way they view this presidency. It's very simple. If you in any way support Donald Trump, you are not someone that I have a difference of opinion about or with. You are not someone that I disagree on policy about. If you support the president, you are in action, in conscience, and uh, in policy, my enemy. A hundred percent. That's it. But do you think it's in policy? Because here's my thing. We constantly say... And I've said it too, that Trump is doing this because he knows who he's talking to and he's playing into a specific audience. When he retweeted the video of the white power, and like you said, what that means, the true meaning of white power, it's not just two words. To me, he's not just being a political opportunist at this point. To me, at this point, he is showing who he is, his personality what his character is, what he stands for. Mm. He is a racist and he believes in promoting hate. And if you align yourself with him, that is exactly the ideals that you align yourself with as well. This isn't about voting on one party, uh, on, on a one party issue. That's not what this is anymore. If you support him, you are also supporting all these other things. You can't make excuses. We're three years in at this point. We can't have another four years of this. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, and to be honest with you, I'm, look, I'm not upset with Americans. Uh, I'm not going to be emotional about it. I'm not upset with Americans who 
who decide that they want that it's in their best interest to support the president. Um, by the way, this is not about party. It's not about party. That's why I'm talking it, about it, him as a person. It, it, yeah, this is not about party. What, what this is about is uh, is what you want, what you view this country as, and what you want out, out of your leadership. Uh, I personally believe right now that before he would leave the office and facilitate a peaceful transfer of power, um, that Donald Trump, his cronies around him, would rip directly through the middle of the fabric of America. They would blow the whole thing up. That he would take his ball and go home. And when I say take his ball, I mean he would take what semblance um, of unity or solidarity that Americans have with him. He would rip the country, would rip that out of the middle of the country for his own personal gain. I mean, you know, Trump is cozying it up next to Putin. It was also reported this week that Russia uh, was putting bounties on the heads of American military um, and that Donald Trump never, ever called Vladimir Putin on this or took him to task for it. I, I just don't know how many lies about the guy, but remember, he's the pro-military guy. He's the guy that's all about the troops. He's the guy. No, he's Trump? all about him. Well, that's how you, that's how all about he, the troops. Yeah, that's how you avoided the draft. Yes. Yeah, yes. That, that's how he, that's how he <laughs> plays it. Right. So, you know, look, at this point, it's not even a lie to me. You are choosing to go along with the facade of the president because in some way you feel empowered by the bigotry, by the incompetence, um, uh, by the entire cult of personality that he represents. And if that's your choice, then that's who you are. I'll never work with, I'll never share a break bread with, I'll never in any way empower or share ideas um, in a building way with anyone who has supported this president. And I think when you talk about the emotion, when you're saying, you know, like, you're okay and you're not going to get emotional about it. I think when you know somebody that you're close with that does support it, then it's hard to separate the two. And I think that that is what's hard for me to grapple with in light of what has happened with just over these last few days with the tweeting of the white power, with the filing to take away Affordable Health Care Act, possibly taking health care away from America, 20 million plus Americans in the middle of a pandemic, um, retweeting that terrible video about that couple in St. Louis that was standing on their lawns with guns pointed at protesters. Like this right. is what you stand for. And so it, it does make me, I do get emotional and it makes me down because I know people who I'm close to who support a person who stands for this. And I don't know how to keep going in that type of relationship when this is what you align yourself with. Can and I, I know I'm not you? speaking for myself. I know there are a lot of y'all out there who are listening right now who are probably grappling with the same thing that I am. Right. Can I be real with you? Uh, I don't know how you do either. And um, I was talking to another friend of mine, very prominent guy, and he says he has friends who are Trump supporters. He has uh, people who he deals with and works with who are Trump supporters. I can say right now that I don't really have anyone around me that really is, but that's kind of almost by accident, you know, uh, coming from TMZ. Obviously, I did. But at this particular point, it it's such a big fuck you to me that almost mm -hmm. rage, I, I, like it, it's unfair, but not only am I starting to look at 
Trump supporters in a way, I'm starting to look at people who fuck with Trump supporters in a way. Like, not you specifically. Well, yeah, it's not that close. Wait yeah, but I don't like, you think I'm, I'm, I'm living with somebody who's like that. Right, that is that's not. What I thought, I could, hey, that's what I thought no, you were No, 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 no. That's I could, what I thought you. He's a Trump supporter. That's a deal breaker for me. He's a no. Colombian Trump supporter. No, don't do that to my husband. I would, Show me the MAGA I could hat. never. We have to be politically aligned. I'm too, I'm right. too outspoken. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Let's mm-hmm. just, and, a, and a hypothetical right now. Mm-hmm. Hypothetical. For, let's say you found out that your husband <laughs> was like a okay, so you're you're married, you're having like he's got abs, right? right? Yeah, you can see his abs. So I yeah. bet you like that, right? You like the abs. Yeah, yeah, right. Because it's like abs are important. Like, I haven't seen my abs in a long time, but like so, abs are a very important thing. It's hard for women to just be like, you know, break up with a guy who has abs. Okay, so that's that's very important. That's so uh, that no, I'm not gonna let you st- such a stereotype. I, I, you know what's funny? My husband is the first guy I dated with abs. And he's the one you married. Yeah, made. everybody else. Everybody else. I know. I like. I, I was like chubby man. Point made. He's the <laughs> first guy that you dated with abs. Wait a second. Well, let's let's stay here. He's the first guy. So what you just said was after you actually tried to like disprove what I said was basically the first guy that you met with some abs. You married him. Not the first guy I met. That's where you're adding it in. The first Not guy the you first dated. First guy Seriously. you dated with some. Seriously, Seriously, with some abs. So the first time you had a, a shot at the ab title, you you married him, right? So I'm just saying. <laughs> keep going. Okay. Keep so going I'm just with saying this hypothetical. And please, please keep saying this is a hypothetical. It's a hypothetical. Let's <laughs> say you've met the guy of your dreams, Colombian ab master. Um, and, you know, you're looking through his texts. I don't know why y'all do that, but y'all do. You're looking through his texts. Well, that's the stereotype number two. <laughs> Like, Just like, keep you're, going. You're looking through his text, and all of a sudden, you see him texting one of his boys, and it's like, "Yo, man, hashtag MAGA. I love what this guy is doing in the White House. I cannot believe how well things are going. They're lying about the coronavirus on them. They're lying about this. They're lying about this. We are going to win in November, and we're going to change this country forever. MAGA, 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 MAGA. You don't see anything with any other chicks, but you just see." All this MAGA shit. And then it leads you to like go through his gym bag. And while he's not hiding like anything in his gym bag, it's nothing but MAGA hats. <laughs> and, and you know what I mean? And all of that stuff like that is MAGA is him with like Sheriff Clark and Kellyanne Conway. He's been going to secret MAGA meetings and all of that stuff. You're married to him. You find out he's MAGA. What happens? This is a very easy choice for me. What? Copper and I would be out. There would be wow. no words spoken. No, no, no. Like, I'm not kidding. These are discussions that I have prior to a serious relationship and now marriage. We have to be politically aligned. I'm too outspoken. I can't right. hand. I can't handle it. Everybody has their deal breakers. That's me. There would be no words spoken because one. Now you lied to me because I've already talked to you about this. You've been living a whole different life. Two. You're not the man that I married. I don't know you. Hmm. We would be out. So. What would be easy? What what would be easier to forgive, MAGA, or if you actually saw some weird shit in the text messages, like MAGA or infidelity, or like cheating? Yeah, what would be easier to forgive, MAGA or cheating? Cheating. I'm 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 dead serious. You were forgive. You were forgive cheating before you forgive MAGA. You said I didn't say a hundred percent, but if I have a choice, the lesser two to me, to me, to me, I'm serious. That's how. That's how deeply I feel about it. That's Mm -hmm. hate. 
That's it's it's bigotry. I just, I just I can't. It's misogyny. I can't mm-hmm. handle that. That is what who you are to me when you put on a MAGA hat, a shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just that's that's what you don't represent anything other than that. And then I also look at you as stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I can't handle it. That's an easy choice for me. Easy choice. Okay. I mean, look. I'm saying. Now, you know, Brian, you're, if you're listening, don't get any ideas. Don't get, oh, you're probably like, oh, dog, as oh, long as it ain't matter. We got a hall pass. We go out there and do our thing. Um, speaking of of secret Trump support, uh, the Daily Beast, not secret Trump support. I'm Ooh. interested to know what you think about this. The Daily Beast talked about our friend. By the way, I just want to. Our. <laughs> our friend. Let's redo, let's redo this segue. Our our friend, our, our friend of the culture, right? Van Jones, friend oh, of the, the culture. culture. Your you, friend. You, you wouldn't say that Van Jones is a friend of the culture? You wouldn't say that? You're going to say Depends that Van Jones is a... circle you're rolling in. Question, oh, wow. do, do people, do people um, think that you're Van Jones at times? Do you have yeah. to defend yourself? Were you trending nigga, on Twitter for the wrong reasons? <laughs> see what I'm saying? I don't like when niggas do shit. Nigga, you know that they do that. Like, you know, like, like, like I don't I don't like when people do stuff like you just did. You know that they do that. You and just call my husband a MAGA supporter, okay? I we said, went to a whole tonight. I said, what if he was? What if he was? Okay. Now, and you, well, what and, if and what if people confuse you? They do. And I, I've addressed this on Twitter, and I've addressed this on Instagram. I'm not Van Jones. Stop. Okay? <laughs> Stop with this Van. I am not Van Jones. I'm Van Lathan. I look nothing like Van Jones. I have completely different politics than Van Jones. I guess. who I don't know. We're going to get into it. I'm not Van Jones. And people come at you when they come at me like I'm Van Jones. They come at me very... Bro, is this you posing in the picture <laughs> with, uh, with Eric Trump? And I'm like, why don't you look at that fucking picture? That's obviously not me. Have you ever seen me wear glasses? Do I look like I'm like you wore contacts that day? Whatever, man. Whatever. <laughs> um, so anyway, the Daily Beast, and this is a uh, uh this kind of hits on exactly what we just talked about. In case you guys didn't know, the Daily Beast, uh fantastic pu- online publication, uh, ran in a piece where it I almost consider it to be an expose, where it is it, essentially the the takeaway of the piece is that Van Jones, uh CNN contributor and political activist, had a very, very big part in crafting the executive order that President Trump uh, enacted uh, last week, a couple of weeks ago, involving policing. So Van Jones, according to the Daily Beast, along with Jared Kushner, uh, they sat around and they basically came up with this thing. The president Mm -hmm. then signed it um, at the White House with uh, all of the policing guys around him. Uh, A lot of people, when the executive order was uh, sort of enacted, they criticized it roundly, saying that it was not, it didn't go far enough, that it was lip service, that it was not going to be effective, uh, and effective, and effective deterrent, um, in police violence against minorities or the community or society at large. Now, the issue that a lot of people are having with Van Jones having had a part in crafting this is that Van Jones then went on CNN without telling Anderson Cooper or anyone else at CNN that he had had a part in this and praised it. So that makes it seem like Van Jones uh, is essentially doing the bidding of the Trump administration Mm -hmm. and that it, it, 
calls into question his credibility uh, as a political activist and, to be quite honest with you, as an intellect on this because it seems very self-serving and unethical to not tell people that you had a, a, a hand in this. He said that it was a, a, a positive step and that the president was on the right track when he's the guy that really put it all together. And also in this article, which I would suggest that you guys read, it talks about, you know, uh, Van's place inside of the Trump administration, how close he's gotten to, to Jared Kushner, why he felt a little alienated, because he also was uh, an advisor to the Obama administration, why he felt a little alienated in the Obama administration, um, and what his motivations might be for his close relationships with Jared Kushner and President Trump. Um, it, the point of the article really seems to make Van seem like a self-serving political mercenary that will do anything for his own advancement mm-hmm. and that he is in some way trading his legitimacy and his advocacy to the community for a cozy relationship with the president. Now, you read this. Do you have thoughts on Van Jones? Well, we spoke about Van Jones. And at that mm-hmm. point, you said that <laughs> you were saying that I'm always <laughs> calling somebody out. And I said, we've only had a few episodes. I've only called out like three people. Well, clearly I was right because Van Jones was one of them. Mm. We talked about his response to Trump's executive order. Van Jones was over here to the left and everybody else was over here to the right. It was like when Van Jones was the first person to speak after President Trump finished signing the executive order. And it was like, which one of these is not like the other? Van Jones said that it was a step in the right direction and that today the day the executive order was signed, showed that we are winning. Everybody right. else is looking around like, where? What, what in Trump's mm. speech made you feel like that was a win today? Now it all makes sense. Now it should be noted that Van Jones denies having any say in this executive order. He says he was not behind it. He had no involvement with it. He hasn't even been to Washington since the coronavirus, and he hasn't been on the phone or in any meetings in regards to the executive order or police reform. I will say it's hard to believe Van Jones. I don't know if you believe him, Van, but now it all makes sense with his response to the way he said Trump was taking a step in the right direction and nobody else did. Not any type of activist, not any political commentator, not Al Sharpton, not Color of Change, an organization he helped start. Shout out to Rashad Robinson over at Color of Change, man, doing great work. Um, oh, yeah. I was on an interview with him the other day. Yeah, I'm sure you were. Big deal. You're getting around <laughs> these days. Anyways, <laughs> it also should be known. We're having a conversation about people who align themselves with Trump and his administration. When somebody affiliated, a family member of Trump says, quote, in a tough situation, Van, and because of the audience I'm in, I will be clear to say Jones in parentheses, <laughs> has shown me that he's got true character. He's focused on the right things, end quote. That is what Jared Kushner said to the Daily Beast, the same people who wrote this expose on Van Jones. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to believe what this art, what is in this article, the contents of the article, because it reflects how Van responded, Van Jones responded to the executive order and the fact that he has aligned himself with the Trump administration, specifically with family members in Trump's Trump's family. It's not looking good for Van. Hmm. It's not looking good. He's not on our side. 
He's not on our side, man. You like I, I love I love that. So listen, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna stop short short at calling Van Jones a liar. I have my own thoughts, but I'm gonna stop short at calling him a liar. I am. I, okay. I, I love I, I, I love the, I'm gonna stop short at calling him a liar. Uh if you were asking me my gut, my gut is I agree with you. Of course. I, I think that the 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 most likely scenario is that he did have uh something to do with this. And the reality is that we know that he was instrumental in the first step act, right? Mm-hmm. He has a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. They're looking to people that have an expertise in this to deal with it. They probably called the Tim Scotts and they called the Van Joneses and then they they work it out. I don't think that President Oh, I would not want to be on that list. I don't I don't think that President Trump himself <laughs> uh would know how to craft this. And for that to that degree, neither would Jared Kushner. They're probably a step away from any any expertise or knowledge on what the community's relationship with the police would be and what the community is asking for from the police. So it makes sense that they would call him. This is what I'll ask you. Now, we talked about people uh, a second ago, people that we know that are Trump supporters. Do you look at it any differently for people who are political activists? For example, Lee Merritt, a very prominent civil rights attorney from Dallas. I know Lee. Was, was on, you know Lee, was on hand at the White House uh, when this executive order was signed. You know, the question would be, and we've seen other people, I guess, go up there and talk. Deontay Wilder, uh, when President... Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. President, when President Trump pardoned Jack Johnson, uh, Jack Johnson, who, by the way, I'm going to start doing this every episode, but I want you guys to look up one figure in history. Today, I'm going to give you one figure in history to look up, Thought Warriors, Jack Johnson. Now, Normally, these guys are going to be not sports people, but the life of this extraordinary, amazing, beautiful black man uh, is one that is that gives you sort of some insight into the facade of American excellence. You had someone, Jack Johnson, who was as excellent an athlete as anyone had been in his time, and you will see what America gave Jack Johnson for being so black and so excellent. Anyway, he was pardoned by President Trump. Deontay Wilder went to the White House. What I'm asking you, in a very bloated way, is <laughs> do you make any distinction to politicians? Do you give any special, do you make any distinction around politicians and political activists who work with the president to an end? If Van Jones comes to you and Van Jones says, yes, I work with the Trumps, but it's because I care so much about police reform. Yes, I work with the Trumps, but it's, it's, it's because I care so much about uh, criminal justice reform. And these are the ways to get done what I need to get done. So I'm going to work with whoever is in the White House to get that done. What does that sort of stand with you, that reasoning? I I think conversations have to be had with an administration, even if you don't agree with what they stand for, because you have to fight for change, for justice. Mm -hmm. However, it doesn't mean you sell yourself and compromise your morals, your beliefs, and what you stand for Mm. to align yourselves with them. Lee Merritt, you gave an example of, right? Lee Merritt was there when the executive order was going to be signed. But did you see him out there in the audience? Did you see him standing next to President Trump when he signed it? No, because he had a conversation with those families who have lost family members at the hands of the police. They did not like the way that it ended. They did not like what was said. And they walked out. They said their Mm -hmm. peace. They did not compromise. They stood strong and they bounced. And the president had to hear what they said. I have another friend who's an attorney as well, Justin Moore. He's notorious in the memes when Kanye went to the president. He's sitting there like this. 
and he went to talk about criminal justice reform, but he was he didn't hang around for that. He said what he needed to say. He got his message across and he bounced. Van is not that person. He's not mm. Justin Moore and he is not Lee Merritt. Jared Kushner, if he was those people, Jared Kushner would not be quoting about his true character and that he's on the right side of things. Right. When he says he's on the right side of things, he means he's on our side of things. Mm. That's Van Jones he's talking about. We've right. lost him. Yeah. Uh, whoo. It's like that. Hey, look, I'm with it. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm, I am with it. I am with it. You think we, you say we have lost Van Jones. Van yeah. Jones is now. Color of now, change started in what? 2005? It's yeah. 2020. 15 years has passed. I, it's not, it's not the same. <laughs> I, no, not I, feel, no, the same. I feel you. No, I feel you. I feel you. What I'll say is, you know, you'd never see me in the White House. Like it, it I, I used to have. I remember I was having a conversation with one of my homeboys and I was like, listen, if reparations were coming through and the president was going to give $10 trillion to black America, I wouldn't go there to talk about it with the president. The mo- I, I wouldn't. The moment that he was signing it, I will go watch him sign the check and then be the first one to cash it, right? Like, right. You know, your hand. You, know, you, know, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I, w- I will go there to watch. And by the way, I, I'm not going to, we're going to eventually talk about reparations on this very podcast. I want people to know because there's a lot of people listening. They think, oh, okay, when Van talks about reparations, he's talking about paying black people for doing nothing. Now, I'm talking about actual money that is owed to the wealth building that African-Americans did for America. You have to understand the economic base of the country came from a lot of free labor that then, that then turned around. And when America was able to expand a lot of the land that was the result of that free labor through the Homestead Act and through a million other things was given to a lot of white people that had just gotten here. None of it was given to us. So when you're saying that no one ever gave anything to anyone in America, that is simply not true. It's just that they never gave black people anything. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I would say that I would go there for the signing of that because my distrust for the president is so high uh, that I don't believe that he would do anything that is in our specific interests. Uh, I think he just wants to weaponize blackness to use against other black people to get more black people on his side. Um, now, I am saying there is nothing that can get me to the White House. I, I know who the guy is. You go for what? What would you? What? What, would, what could get? What could get you to the White House? No, if I, if like a situation with what Lee Merritt just did, I would mm. go to speak to be heard to give my opinion, but then I would bounce. I wouldn't stay for a photo op. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't stay, you know, for a signing of something unless it was mm-hmm. something that was signing in our favor that truly, you know, embodied what it was that we were fighting for, yeah. which I wouldn't happen with this president. But mm-hmm. I would, I would definitely go. I wouldn't turn. I, I honestly would feel like a hypocrite. How could I say that I'm fighting for reform and change and justice and get the opportunity to speak on it and then turn it down because I don't like the president or what he stands for or his administration or because I feel like or because I feel like nothing would be done. Hmm. I just think it's it's hypocritical if you say that you're demanding these things and then you get the opportunity to, to have a platform and speak on it. Why would you not? Well, because I think personally that a platform is only as good as who's listening. So if you want to talk about criminal justice reform, right? If you want to talk about all of those things and work to all of those deals, you can work on those things ever. 
I don't think like for for me what obviously it's issue based, but my distrust for the administration is such that I don't have any good faith belief belief that they are willing to work with me on anything that significantly benefits the Black American experience in America. I get that. And so because of that, I would go going to the like. You know, Jim Brown went up to the White House, right? Um, Steve Harvey and all of these guys, when when he was president-elect, they went to Trump Tower. They talked about all of these things. What I want to know is, what has come of any of those conversations? Now, Ye Ye and Kim Kardashian were actually able to get Alice Johnson out of jail. Now, you guys know Alice Johnson was uh, a lady down there in Tennessee that had gotten hit on a... uh, a conspiracy charge and had been in jail for a long time and they were actually able to secure her release. Um, my question is, has the president delivered in any way on the substance of any of these conversations? And to me, he hasn't really. Not no. even with the First Step Act. And to be honest with you, we could talk about what he's done in terms of criminal justice reform, but then we could also talk about the multitude of putrid federal judges that he's appointed while he's been president. So very few, almost zero of the the federal judges that he's appointed since he's been president have uh, impressive ratings or the endorsements of people like the ACLU and the NAACP. These are guys that that are mostly bad on civil rights. So he's in your pocket on one hand saying, hey, look what I did for you. On the other, on the other hand, he's wrecking the federal court system right. for a long time because these are lifetime appointments. So and, I don't have any faith and, in that. So because of that, I would feel like going to the White House legitimizes him as president. And I don't think that he is a legitimate holder of that office. Uh, see, I don't, I, I, yeah, I guess I don't look at it as legitimizing him and I don't like to give people an excuse. So it's like, oh, well, you had the opportunity to speak and you didn't, you know? Uh, oh, well, he wouldn't have listened to me. Well, I, that might be the case, but at least I still went out there and did it. I get it. I hear I hear both sides of it, but whatever. Neither Not, see, guess what? Neither one of us are gonna be invited oh, to the that, White that, House. That never, to go that never let me up there. That never <laughs> let me up there. Oh, I got a question. Like, would you stay? You said you do your thing and you will bounce at the White House, right? Mm-hmm. Would you stay a little bit longer if they had red velvet cake? Let's say if I don't you, like you red just velvet about cake. to God damn it. You know what? <laughs> like, like you know, you know I what I'm saying? I told you I'm picky. It's like you know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's what's with you, dog? You a Cosby what? kid? Red? Like what? Like like what's what's your thing? You like what? Like what's what's with you? Like what's I'm a Cosby you, kid? <laughs> oh my god! What, like you? So you don't fuck with Velvet Cake? What's going? Like what's your deal, G? What? How you gonna judge me so harshly harshly over some red velvet cake? <laughs> I gotta. I'm not gonna lie, man. Like it's not- I kind of I kind of put you in Van Jones territory now that we talking about this. Oh, I'm sorry. You, is red velvet a part of the culture? It's not like you asked me if I like sweet potato pie or something like that. Wait, 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 which wait. I so do. You're, wait, wait, wait. You're saying right now that red velvet cake isn't a part of the culture? I don't know people who just eat red velvet you're cake wildin'. like that. You're wildin'. Is it a Louisiana okay. thing? I don't know. It stop stop trying to stop I, trying to I'm come dead at me. Nobody wildin'. in my family has ever made red you're, velvet. Pound cake. Pecan, sweet potato. That's you, you, it. You like pumpkin pie too, don't you? you no, love I don't. Pie. Yes, oh, you do. man. Yes, you do. 
every episode. Like you wilding. You wilding right now. If you don't think red velvet red, cake is part of the culture. I don't it like definitely... red velvet cake. No, I don't. We we gotta we definitely have to do a poll on this one. I think it depends no. what I think it depends where you're from. I, I, I think it depends where you're from. I don't know anybody who eats any of my black or they just don't talk about it. Who eat red velvet cake like that? You think that your bread, you think you you know what it is? They eat vel- they re- they eat their red velvet cake in secret because they're trying to hide that because they know you're a judge. Like they, they don't want to be too I'm, black around I'm you. I'm legit about they, to text my friends you, right now. Your, like, your friends, they get together and they watch episodes of Martin and they eat red velvet cake. Okay, all shit, stop. While you're watching I Friends. I watch Martin. While you're watching Friends. I watch friends, Martin and eat, Friends. I watch <laughs> Martin and Friends. No, no, you can't. You got to choose one. Don't okay? get mad because I'm well-rounded. You're, uh, you're don't upsetting get mad because I know both. You're upsetting me Nobody can watch Friends and Martin. Like yes, if they Martin would have popped up on Friends, he would have been arrested immediately. All right. So like, no, you can't. I've, like, I watch both. Now, so do watch, I enjoy one more than the other? Sure. You like Friends better? No, I like Martin better. Here we okay. go again. All right. Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> uh, now look, those shows are both from the past. We now have to talk about the future of America, and it looks like the future of America is black and brown. Uh, white people that are listening to this now, because we know we have a lot of thought warriors out there. Tell them to take in. a seat. Tell them to take a seat. Okay. Yeah. Listen, white people that are listening to this, I know that some of y'all are running. You're petting your dogs. You're, you're, you're doing so. I need you to stop for a second because I'm about to give you some really, really, really hard to hear information. Okay. According to the census, we are in the era of hashtag White decline. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> white decline. The census shows non-white majority amongst the youngest. What this essentially means uh, is, according to William Frey, a senior fellow at the Brookings Institution, we are browning from the bottom up in our age structure. <laughs> For the first time, browning. Like they like they getting ready, they like they getting ready to like to bake like, something. To bake us. Like they about to fry us. <laughs> like we 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 just gonna we just browning. America's browning. From the bottom we're gonna up. Drop it in the, yeah, we're gonna barbecue it pretty soon. No, for the first time, non-whites and Hispanics uh were a majority of people under the age of 16 in 2019. So the census has showed that. The, amongst the youth, the youths, like they say in my cousin Vinny, the youths, amongst the youths, uh, it's brown. America's becoming brown town. Is this cause for celebration, Rachel? Of course. Listen, it's been rumored for a while that pretty soon the minority is about to be the majority. Mm. And according to this article, we're already here. It's happening. You better hold on. To your white power videos because <laughs> you can't be playing them anymore. It's, it's it's time for brown at this point. I'm for it. Why not be excited about it? It's a beautiful thing. Brown is beautiful. Black mm. is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, look, here's the reality. Uh, we joke about this, but what we have to understand is a lot of the angst that we're seeing in America, the... Uh, the, the the explosion, the, the culture explosion, the panic, the panic, <laughs> the panic of the Karens. Um, <clears throat> by the way, white women, please relax. 
y'all gotta calm down. Like, who knew that white women were this crazy? Like, uh, white women, you knew that they were this crazy? I never had a white woman just, like, go off on me like this before. I haven't either, but I I have white friends. God <laughs> damn, man. White women, like, you know, <laughs> chill out. Um, But yeah, I think a lot of the angst that you're seeing is because uh, this fact is in the back of a lot of people's minds. They see the country moving in a way that's more inclusive, um, not just socially, but actually in population. You're seeing uh, black people and brown people in spots that you've never seen them before. Now, here's the deal. While it is understandable to me that if you always had it your way, thinking that in the future you might not have it your way one day is concerning, this strikes at the heart of an American ideal. America, one of America's strengths has always been touted as the fact that we're such a melting pot, right? That the pot, you put it all in the pot and it melts, right? Well, if you put it in a pot and it melts, if it melts enough, eventually the color is going to change of whatever's in the pot. It's like eventually that's going to happen. And the reality is that when you guys see all of this stuff that's going on, like exact, for example, Rachel and her husband, when they start popping babies out, they're going to look like little Spanish drapes. They're going to be brown. Little brown they're gonna babies. They're going to be brown. Little brown <laughs> babies. You know what I mean? And the reality is that, like, you know, you add to white and then the brown comes out. So <laughs> the more yeah, of the situation. One drop. The mean. one drop. I'm saying this was naturally going to happen. And I think it's going to be interesting in the next 10 to 15 years whether or not America can withstand this change. I think that you're going to see people uh, sort of try to protect what they feel like is inherently there, like theirs. I mean, they, like, to me, one of the biggest problems with our country is that when you say American, most people picture somebody white Mm -hmm. right away. So what happens when that's no longer the truth? Well, they have, you've seen the picture, or maybe you haven't, of what, the average person is going to look like it's like 2050, 2060. And they're, they look biracial. They look Drake. ambiguous. They're brown skin. They have darker mm-hmm. hair, dark eyes, curly hair. I think, I think that's, that is the true definition of a melting pot. But it's interesting that you say melting pot because I feel like when that term came about and they were referring to melting pot, it was more of melting pot, the melting pot of ethnicities people still with white skin. It was, oh, it's a melting pot because there's Italian and Greek and Irish and Jewish. Do you know what I mean? They weren't Mm. referring to the brown people when they were talking about a melting pot. I don't know. I I, I think that, I think the melting pot thing is both cultural and ethnic, but I think that it was used in a way to frame America as something more altruistic than what it actually was. But, and I think because they were capturing people who still look white, but have a different background, have a different ethnicity. Mm. That's where the melting pot thing comes from. It was never in the plan for it to turn brown. Well, look, I don't think it was in the plan, but I don't, I I (laughs) like, I think, I think for me, the reality is that, you know, America was very good at its, uh, its PR job. It's sold to a lot of people that this was a country where it was a meritocracy. You could come and, and get ahead and do all those things. And there have been a lot of stories, if we're being honest, uh, why we're hypercritical of the country and some of its institutions and systems. 
we had, there's a lot of stories, a lot of breakthroughs, you know, um, that black and brown people have made. We have contributed to the excellence of America every step of the way. I could get super deep with you guys and talk about all the inventions that slaves came up with that were then stolen by their masters because they really couldn't have patents and stuff like that. Well, something that Jefferson Davis tried to do. Anyway, um, when he started, the, when they, they were, did the conversion. Anyway, uh, what I'm saying is that when the population kind of gets to that point, it'll be interesting to see whether or not the fabric of this society can deal with that. Because if there is Will they to have be, a choice? Well, they, well, you guys, there is a choice. The, the choice is that there's no more America. What people have to understand is it's very important that people realize that there hasn't been a great nation or a great empire that hasn't fallen. They all have. You know, if we were ha- doing this podcast 30 years ago, um, uh, well, more like 35, the Soviet Union was a great, big, gigantic world power. Mm-hmm. That thing broke apart. You know, Rome, all of these things, the Ottoman Empire, whatever it is, if you go back and look throughout uh, throughout history, the British Empire, empires fall, they crumble, they change. And a, a lot of times, there's always a point in its history you can point to when people decided whether or not they were going to continue to live as they were or as they are, yeah. or whether or not they couldn't live with how things were evolving or going in their country. And there's a, there's a chance that we have reached a point um, of social unrest and animus between people in America that we can't come back from it. That's definitely, definitely, definitely a possibility, but the country's going to have to decide that for themselves. Don't you kind of feel like we're in that now? I don't know. Um, I think we're in a moment where the decision is more uh, in your face than ever. I think the, I think that because because in the past there have been so many things to distract Americans, right? Right. I'm growing up and I'm a kid, right? Right. And when I'm growing up, they they give me Michael Jackson and Michael Jordan and Prince and Eddie Murphy. And they give me all these people and they say, "Listen, you can go be that. All you gotta do is just work sh- extremely hard and be extremely talented. You can go be those guys." That di- that distracts you for a long time. You know, you stop looking at the systems around you, and the capitalist dream of the country becomes what sure. you're aspiring to, right? So you don't take the time to look around and be like, yo, it's all fucked up where I'm at. And it's all fucked up for all of us. Why? Yeah. And then by the time you start asking that question, there's so much resentment built up that now you're almost relearning what it means to be a citizen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think when, when, you take the, when you take a step back, the moment that we were just in, it's like everybody is like looking at whether or not the country really works. Like they're all looking at whether or not the country really works, whether or not it really works for people. And for the first time, there's a decision for us to make as a nation sitting in this moment all together. And I haven't seen that right. not even after 9-11. I haven't seen that in my lifetime. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought about something when you said that because of the moment that we're in and the undivided attention that we have. And we see a Trump administration and his flunkies pushing to reopen the economy and get things back to normal. I'm thinking part of that might be 
because everybody's sitting at home watching what's going on, getting involved in the movement, getting unlearning things, getting educated. Their eyes are open to something that they've never mm-hmm. seen before who don't just look like like us, you know, like we've known it. But now mm-hmm. other people are recognizing it. And it's like, you know what? We got to distract them. We got to get them out of the house. We got to get them back to work. Never even saw it like that. Now mm-hmm. I'm now I'm thinking that's part of the the push. Sure. Sure. Just to let you guys know, the black population over the past decade grew by 12%. The white population increased by 4.3%. We coming for that ass. Since when? Um, uh, since 2010. Okay. The Hispanic population grew by 20% with almost three quarters of that growth coming from natural increase that comes when more people are born than die. Do you know what that means? Shout out to all my Hispanic brothers and sisters. Keep fucking y'all out here getting it in living la vida so you really should thank me because i am i married a latino man right a hispanic man i mean you got you you hit both sides right here you hit like you hit both i mean you hit both sides right here you know what i'm saying so he's he's, like get some credit on this podcast you done taking all my cards away i'm not i'm not taking them away i'm just saying the vero vevel cake (laughs) thing is crazy that's like a weird thing like i don't know um, that's a weird thing you don't fuck with. Like, what did y'all do? What, what, where's your, what, what kind of cakes did I just told you. Pound cake, pecan, pound cake. sweet potato. Uh, pecan is not a cake. It's a pie, but I feel Fine. Two pies and a cake. My mom makes the best pound cake. Does she? Home, it's so good. So good. If it? I ever like get a chance to... Hmm? She put a little icing? A little icing on it? No, no icing. no icing. It's that good. No icing is needed. Did your mom make a, uh, your mom make a 7-Up cake at all? At all? No, but I like Seven Up Cake too. Oh my God, it's so, so good, dope. so good. It, oh, so, so crazy! It's moist <laughs> it's so and it tastes good, like it's like it's. We shouldn't be eating this shit, Black people. Who came up with a Seven Up Cake? <laughs> I who, don't like, care. Who, like who? Who, <laughs> who came up? Who said? Who was like? I tell you, my, my my people are glorious. Somebody was drinking a Seven Up one time, right? They was drinking it and they was like, "Oh shit, lemon lime. This shit is fucking off the chain." Hold on for a second, let me fuck with this. Oh my God, Seven Up. You know what we already do? Hey, Bertha. Not know what Bertha. we all do? Bertha. On God. On G-O-D. I'm being serious. On grandma. For real, for real. We need to take this taste and put some fucking baked good goodness with it. Make an icing, slather that over a pound cake. Right away, cholesterol shoot up 10 points, but don't matter. Because we're gonna have a <laughs> We're gonna be happy. We're gonna so be happy. Good. I forgot so about good. seven up cake. I haven't had it in such a long time. Hey, fuck it. I'm 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 already fat. We going we doing seven up cake this weekend. Fuck it. Sometimes our food is more than just food. It's an integral part of our community. So this year, Discover is giving five million dollars to support Black-owned restaurants to places like Post Office Pies in Birmingham, Alabama, Back in the Day Bakery in Savannah, Georgia, and hundreds more Black-owned restaurants in your local community all across the country. Learn how you can show your support at Discover.com. Sometimes our food is more than just food. It's an integral part of our community. So this year, Discover is giving $5 million to support Black-owned restaurants to places like Post Office Pies in Birmingham, Alabama, Back in the Day Bakery in Savannah, Georgia, and hundreds more Black-owned restaurants in your local community all across the country. Learn how you can show your support at discover.com. 
This episode of Higher Learning is brought to you by Different. There are a ton of good excuses for avoiding a video call, like maybe you're busy giving your pet goldfish a bath or alphabetizing your shoes. But all of the reasons to hide, acne shouldn't be one of them. Different Gel is a different kind of acne treatment. It's an oil-free gel designed to give you consistently clear skin you can count on, thanks to one special ingredient, Adapalene. Adapalene is the first multi-benefit retinoid acne ingredient available over-the-counter without a prescription. Clear the acne you have and stop new acne in its tracks with Differin Gel. Do things different. Learn more and redeem a special offer at differin.com slash higher learning. That's D-I-F-F-E-R-I-N dot com slash higher learning. All one word. Fuck it. That's how y'all right. celebrating 4th of July. 4th of July, 7 up cake. Now, um... <laughs> We're going to touch on a little sports here. So we got to get into the sports. Uh, I know that, you know, maybe some of our demo doesn't like the sports talk as much. But we're they don't like when we talk sports. They I don't know. like it at all. We got to talk sports. But this yeah. is this is an interesting sports story. Cam Newton signed with the Patriots. One deal, $7.5 million. Uh, I'll tell you why this is interesting, people. Cam Newton is a, is a, is a black quarterback. You guys don't know, uh, you know, it, uh, the black males have had issues quarterbacking in the NFL traditionally. Now, recently, things have changed because the game is so wide open and our athletic skill sets are now being valued. Uh, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Cam Newton, uh, all kinds of guys. Russell Wilson, he of the good hair, uh, <laughs> uh, doing that thing. Um, he is going to play in Boston. Right. Which is traditionally not a great place Black guys. It's not. I know an NFL player who told me that the most racist fan base, this is what he told me, Patriots fans, don't get mad. This guy in the NFL, he said he never got called the N-word as much as he did when he was playing in Foxborough. That's what he said. Was he a guest? Not that it matters. I'm just curious. No, no, that's that's exactly what you just said. It's okay. No, if he, no, 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 I'm saying, like, no, because I'm wondering if he experienced this every game, like all the time, or when he went there to play, because that's even worse. Oh, that's just, that's just what I'm, I'm just yeah. He, it. he went, he he played uh, for a different team, and he would they okay. would go play the Patriots, and he said it was gotcha. the worst, most racist place for them to play. So really? it's not like they haven't had a black quarterback before. I think they had they had good Jacoby Brissett for a little while, not too long ago. Jacoby Brissett, who now plays, I think, for the Colts. Even though Philip Rivers is but playing this for the Colts, going to be their starting quarterback. Starter quarterback. Jacoby Brissett started for a little while. He started for a little while though because of injury, but this is going to be their starting quarterback. Right. And also, it's different because Cam Newton is an ex NFL MVP. Um, you saw Cam. Cam is in New England. What was your first thought? I wasn't surprised. Maybe at mm-hmm. the announcement because we found out late at night that he was going, and I honestly kind of forgot about it. We've been talking so much baseball and basketball, not on this show, but just in sports in general, that I forgot that this was still happening, that not Mm. that Cam was out there, but just that this, because people thought this was going to happen at the beginning of June. Okay, so he goes. The immediate thought I had was, because you said his contract is 7.5, it's incentivized to possibly Mm -hmm. get 7.5. The actual contract, I think, is league minimum. League, yes, very, very small. League minimum, less than the fine that they were just issued, that $1.1 million. Mm-hmm. So my thought was, did nobody want Cam? Or was Cam really wanting to play 
under the Bill Belichick regime and just was like, this is where I want to be and I'll take whatever. That was my first thought. Uh, So apparently Adam Schefter reported that the only team that was or the only teams that were interested in Cam Newton were the Browns who had a conversation with him and the Patriots who actually ended up offering him a deal. But the anticipation is high that he will be the old Cam Newton, especially coming to a Patriots team with if not the best coach, one of the greatest coaches in the league ever. Uh, he's got to be the best coach now. And a great offensive line, which mm-hmm. Cam Newton has never really had when he played for, the, played for the Carolina Panthers. I know there's a lot of uncertainty, but this also goes towards black quarterbacks, mm-hmm. right? You have to be the best, the top of your game, work twice as hard for half as much. Another quarterback could have faced the same injury and he probably would have been picked up sooner than Cam Newton. This is the tale mm-hmm. of black quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, look, we're not going to spend too much time on it, but I want to say that I'm excited about one thing. Cam is going to a a winter climate. Um, and you guys need to get Peter on standby because the amount of furs, the amount <laughs> like the, 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 the amount of furs, the amount of chinchillas, all the mean hot the minks, hot the furs, hot the rabbits, hot whatever. If you guys never saw and have never seen the way Cam dresses, he looks like a, I don't know, man. He looks you like can't a- can't describe it. Like a 250-pound Sherlock Holmes. Sometimes he wears shorts. Like Cam, the, the things that Cam is capable of wardrobe-wise uh, consistently, consistently amaze me. And just to see him in the winter, amazed? I just want to see what he's going to pull out. Yeah, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I'm not amazed in a good way. He looks like okay. a Batman villain. But like, it's like, it, it, it's, but to, but to me, I, 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 I want to see what he's going to wear. I don't think it's going to work in New England. I don't. Uh, but, I, but I, I want to see what he's going to wear. Also, we should say, while we're supporting coworkers, Tyler Ricky Tynes, um, here, Ringer staff has a Cam Newton podcast. They're going to be doing it here at the Ringer. Oh, yeah. It's going to be out. Yeah. It's going to be out a little bit later on. Now they got even more stuff, uh, to talk about. Now, staying with sports, John Morant. Uh, probably the rookie of the year got in some trouble. John Moran had quote tweeted a jersey and on the back of the jersey it said fuck 12. So kind of like the same thing like <laughs> kind of <laughs> that President Trump did. He didn't it wasn't his original tweet. <laughs> he didn't know. But, like, right, right. He didn't, John, John didn't, know. didn't know. He didn't know. But he retweeted it got himself in some trouble. They let an NBA players talk about like like you know sort of customize some of their jerseys. And I guess he was joking around or maybe he put up a jersey, replaced with a jersey, and it said fuck 12 on it. Um, fuck 12, you guys don't know what that means. 12 is the police. Fuck 12 means fuck the cops. John Morant then had to come back out and say that he knows that he shouldn't have put that up, that it shouldn't be fuck 12, and the cops have protected him both when he was at college um, and when he was in college and since he's been playing in NBA, he is a fantastic, sensational player. He's most likely the rookie of the year. Uh, he basically said he knows not all cops are bad and that when he, when he says fuck 12 or anything like that, he means he's talking about the bad cops. Um, I don't like that John Moran had to apologize. Had to apologize. This. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I, I think he took it too far. He could, there's a way that it could have, I shouldn't have done that, period. Really? You, know, you think, I shouldn't you have, think, or maybe like, I should have used different language. You know what I mean? Like, I get that, I get he has to say something, but the whole, like, he didn't have to go deep with it. You I know, get it. So, do you, you, it, you think, at, 
So we can't say fuck 12 right now. If there's any time that we should be able to say fuck the police, it's right now. Like, I, I don't like I don't like to see what I really, first of all, shout out to John Morant. He's a young guy. He did a, 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 what he had to do. But what I don't like to see right now is this energy in any way being muzzled. We don't have to talk nice to them. We've been saying, people have been saying that though. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. So what I'm saying, so why to... don't, don't switch up. Like if you say, if I, if I say fuck 12, don't get offended. Ask me why I feel that way. I Here's my thing. If you say it, put something more behind it, right? Like what? Okay. Cause I, when I, when I went to a protest, the, there was a guy who spoke and there was a woman who spoke. The, the woman who spoke, we didn't need to hear from the man. I should put it like that. Wow. And no, and the reason and the reason being is because you have all these people gathered who are marching for the same thing. They got their posters. They got their megaphones. And if all you're saying is fuck 12 with no meaning behind it, not under not addressing the crowd and saying why you're saying fuck 12, why we're here, what we're trying to accomplish and where we're trying to go then to me, I don't want to just see you say that statement. Like, put, say something else behind it. If he had put up the jersey and then the full caption as to why he was saying it and, how, and why he believes you should say fuck 12, I'm for it. Hmm. So I just don't saying- believe in just shouting it out and there's, no, and there's no purpose behind it. Like, you just saying it because it's popular to say right now. That's not what I'm saying John Moran is saying. That's what mm-hmm. I witnessed in, uh, in some people in the protests. Hmm. See, I, I don't think, I think, I'm weird about it. I see what you're saying, but I'm weird about it because when I say fuck 12, I'm always, when I say, or oh, fuck 12 or fuck the police or whatever, I'm almost looking for someone to give me an explanation as to why I shouldn't feel that way. Like, not- like, like when I say that, I don't feel like I need to qualify that at this point. I need you guys to tell me what the other side of it is and like why I shouldn't look at it that way. Because to me, going off what I've seen in the last really 40 years of life that I've been on this earth, I can't see too many reasons not to say that, and especially now. So it's like, if when I if I say fuck the police, I'm not I'm not gonna qualify that for you. You should really have something to tell me as, as why I shouldn't feel that way. Okay, this is why I think it's a difference. If okay. you say that, I don't think anybody's surprised. And mm-hmm. the reason is is because of what your brand is, what you stand for, what you represent, what people know you for. Right. They don't know John Morant like that. John Morant has, who knows, I don't know who follows him. I don't know who his audience is, but he is not known for having a, a platform that's all about social justice. That doesn't mean that he can't speak on it, but it's like, let's provide some background and some explanation. So if you're going to have a jersey that says fuck 12, great. Why? Like, t- oh. tell your audience why you're, when we've never heard you speak in this way and where it's coming from, don't make it trendy. Tell us why you feel that way. Tell us, and, 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 and you have a reason to. I understand what the, the, the phrase behind it. I'm not disagreeing. And I'm just saying, tell people why you think this way. They don't know you like saying. that. They know you like that, Van. Yeah, but look, I mean, for, for real, I feel the, 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 the young brothers get out. Yeah, Van Lathan. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel uh, like I'm forever going to have to say your name. Full name. Yeah, the young, the young brothers are frustrated. The young people, the young sisters are frustrated. The young people are frustrated. And when you get frustrated with someone, it's almost like, you know, after a while, like your computer keeps booting up and then like stopping. It keeps restarting. 
You try it, you try it, you try it, you try it. You're trying to get the computer to work with you. You need it. You want it to be functional. After a while, you know what you say? Man, fuck this thing. After a while, you're like, fuck this computer, Privately. man. You don't get a Privately. whole post. You don't post it. You type say it, it to laptop. whoever will listen. You take it to the Best Buy Geek Squad and be like, yo, man, fuck this thing. We need to fix it. And then the Geek Squad tells you how to fix the computer. What we need is people to not get offended when we say fuck 12 and tell us how we going to fix 12. I'm like, just saying. Don't do you, get mad. Get active. Do, we, you, we, be we, do you believe in the role? Because I am not saying he should not feel that way. What mm -hmm. I'm saying is, is use your platform to also talk about it. When you've never spoken in that way before, Job Moran is a role model to an oh, audience who is. God damn it. You got, yes. like you like the role model thing. You really fuck with the role model thing. No, but listen to what I'm saying about it. Mm -hmm. Like we're all role models in different regards, right? right? Just like when people get on to me and they're like, "Oh, you were," unless my mom says it. "Oh, you were cursing. You're a role model." Then, like that, that, that doesn't apply to me. What I'm saying with John Moran is, you're known for playing basketball. You're an amazing basketball player, probably rookie of the year. You have a certain image. My thing is, is nobody's telling you not to feel that way, but I just think that there's a way to do it and still mm. say what you want to say. Because I don't think mm. he should have apologized in the way he did. I agree. I think he could have been like, no, that's what I said, but let me tell you why I said it. Mm. I feel you. Then he can I say just, it, say it, say it all he wants. I just I just particularly want the kids to keep the, the, the edges of their teeth sharp. I get it. I, I do. I, but I, I, I want, want kids to, I want, to know why they're saying fuck 12. Why are I, you I, saying I, it? You need to even, know. Even, I, I, don't, I don't even think it's fair for us to say that he doesn't know why. I think it's fair for you to say that he didn't explain why. Exactly. But, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But, but, but I don't know if I don't. It's, 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 we can agree or disagree. I don't think black America owes America an explanation as to why we're fed up with the police. I'm not I talking think, America. See, I you guess you just saying you saying John Morant. No, I'm not saying he owes it. It's more of like you feel this way, and rightfully so, and you feel it with a passion. So, almost use your platform to empower other people to understand your passion. Forget being judged. That's not what it is. It's just like take that and inspire people to gather behind you and the reason why they should. That's all I'm saying. Right, I get it. Um, so. This past week was not without tragedy. Well, this past couple of weeks was not without tragedy. Uh, there's been another case to sort of explode into uh, the minds and hearts of everyone who is concerned with the value of black life in America. And that's the story of Elijah McClain. Elijah McClain, who was killed last year. Uh, he was killed last year. And the audio um, from the body cam of the police officers who killed Elijah McClain is out there on the internet. You can listen to it. Uh, and it is heartbreaking. Now I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't heard the audio, but I've read the transcripts. It's very difficult for me for my self care and my mental health to continuously listen to black people die every couple of days. Like I can't exist in the world and then do it. So I'm sorry for not having had heard that and being on the podcast with it, but I fit, I mentally cannot do it. Um, this particular case is uh, affecting people in a, in, a, in, in a different way because of his last words and because of the innocence. The people posted other videos of this young man 
Uh, one video where he looks like people are surprising him and showing him love and just the look on his face. Um, it's just very hard to know how his life ended. Uh, your thoughts on this, your thoughts on whether or not it's actually healthy. Um, are you concerned? I'll ask you. Are you concerned with our mental health from consistently being inundated with consuming people's last breaths, uh, especially when they know that they're being killed by the state. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I read what's happened to Elijah McClain. I can't bring myself to listen to it. I couldn't bring myself to watch the full video of George Floyd. Like Mm -hmm. I know what I can't watch it again. And I think that what, but I feel like it is necessary as hard as it is for us as black people, because we've known this has been happening. It is necessary for the people who are just now realizing what's happening. You need to be shocked and uncomfortable and angry at what is happening. I mean, when I saw the Elijah McClain story and I thought, oh my gosh, it just happened again. And then I, and then not the story, excuse me, Elijah McClain murder. When I saw that he was trending and I looked it up and I read about it and everybody's posting it and they're getting people to sign the petition. I thought when you're posting his name and you're posting his picture and you're writing about what happened and about his murder, are you realizing the bigger problem in this? This happened in the fall of 2019. We are fighting for justice for Elijah McClain that is long overdue. Do you get our anger and our frustration right now? Elijah McClain is one of many. You will not stop hearing about old cases because this has been happening to us. That is what I want people to realize. Don't just post a picture. Realize that this has been happening. And this is this happened almost a year ago. His yeah. family has been suffering and fighting. Thank goodness his family has not stopped the fight and it has Mm -hmm. been brought to a national attention. Second issue, these cops who did this, three of them, again, three, well, four, I guess, in George Floyd, but three cops. So we should should say what they did. Go ahead, say what they did. Okay, so uh, August 24th, uh, 2019, um, this is in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, There was a report, uh, someone called 911 saying that, I guess it was Elijah that was wearing a ski mask uh, and was flailing his arms. Okay. Now it, it, it looks as if people around there looked like Elijah was just dancing, most likely just dancing. Uh, the same caller during that, that called said they didn't believe that he was armed. He wasn't armed. Um, and didn't believe that he was in any danger. The cops come out. The cops say that he resisted, resisted and att- attempted to reach for an officer's gun. Uh, meanwhile, an attorney from McLean's family says that an office, officers that were involved slammed him into a wall immediately after apprehending him. This is where things get incredibly, incredibly tough. Three officers, Nathan Woodyard, Jason Rosenblatt, and Randy Rodima, they held him on the ground for 15 minutes. While he was detained, he was clearly in distress because he vomited. He apologized for vomited, vomiting, saying eerily, I'm sorry, I wasn't trying to do that. I cannot breathe correctly. Woodyard then applied a chokehold to McLean's neck. He was injected with ketamine. He vomited several times, suffered two cardiac arrests while being taken to the hospital. He was pronounced brain dead days later. 
they killed him. Um, and it, the reality of it is, once again, you have someone who died for absolutely nothing. Roger McClain did not have a gun. Roger McClain was not a threat. Um, and whereas they could have affected uh, this entire situation, de-escalated it, found out what was going on. They choose to be judge, jury, and executioner, and they executed this brother. Uh, so yeah, the, 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 the attorney representing his family is accused of officers of purposely taking off their body cameras mm-hmm. to support the false allegation that he was reaching for a gun. Um, the claim that he reached for somebody's gun has never been supported by any, any of the, the investigations into this at all. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a situation to where, uh, at, at this point, the details of this have become public to everyone. I mean, the video that I just saw there, um, that I didn't watch was from seven months ago. So this is information that's been out there, but the increased scrutiny of the way police are treating black people has led to people demanding justice for, for him. And now I'll say this, the last thing I'll say is that also, there is video of a violin vigil that was held there in Aurora, Colorado for Elijah McClain, a very peaceful and beautiful violin vigil. And you see the police officer, like Gestapo stormtroopers, roll in and break it up. People just expressing their love and expressing their love in a musical and peaceful way. And we can't even do this. Sometimes, Rachel, it seems like we're too far going. Yeah. No, I mean, it's... I I have to not watch. I I can't listen to the audio. I've listened to the transcript. I have to mentally take my mind away from some things. Not that I'm ignoring the issue. Not that I don't. I'm not informed as to what's going on and what should be done. It's just you have to do things for your own mental health. I can't. I can't listen to him beg for forgiveness from the cops that were murdering him. I can't listen to him explain himself. I can't listen to him. I can't, I can't do it. And what I need people to understand is that in addition to this murder that happened again to a black man, a young black man at the hands of the police, you have to also understand that these police went back on the street. It was found that nothing that they did not commit a crime And they're back on the streets to serve, and I'm using air quotations, and protect us. These are murderers. I mean, just ask yourself this question. Is this the type of officers that you want protecting you? Would you feel safe if they stopped you or pulled you over? This is what you need to, this is what people are fighting for. Not just for justice, because there's nothing that we can do to bring this young black man's life back. His family has not stopped the fight for justice for him. Now it is our job to fight for justice for him, not just with the cops that killed him, but also for reform within that police department and police departments across the nation. This is a problem. Elijah McClain, unfortunately, sadly, is not going to be the last name that we hear about this, these, these type of tragedies with. And that's what I need people to understand. Don't let this be another name. It's going to happen again. You're going to hear about an old case. It's just, it's, it's disheartening. So, uh, look, I want to also let people know that uh, you can be involved without overindulging in things that are going to upset anger and trigger you. I have to be a little bit angry 
I draw from that. I draw from my anger. I draw from my emotional response and reaction to these things. Um, but also, it's up to everybody out there uh, to find the balance in their life of what it is that you consume, act on, and, and put in your mind. Sometimes you don't watch things. You just read about them. Sometimes you stay informed. Sometimes you give yourself a day, two days, three days away from the news. I promise you, while you take a break, there are going to be people working. It's not up to any one individual to take all of this in and fix it all. We're going to have to fix this as an engaged, informed community. And sometimes we're going to have to cover each other as mm -hmm. other members check out for a little while because this shit is hard. Mm. It's hard to deal with. It's hard to deal with over and over again. It's hard to look at his face. It's hard to look at our sister Brianna Taylor's face. It's hard to watch these videos. It's hard to look at the video of George Floyd or Ahmaud Arbery. It's hard. It's difficult. It's impossible. It's unnatural. You know, we talk about coronavirus. You know, it's unnatural. Coronavirus getting worse uh, in America. Um, it's unnatural to wake up and look at numbers of how many people died every day. It's like, it's, it's not something that we really have are conditioned to be able to do or handle. So when you need to take a time out, take a time out. Don't feel bad about it. Don't feel bad if you haven't watched the latest video of a cop smacking somebody in the head with a baton. Feel bad if you haven't watched it. Don't feel bad if, if, it's if, good if advice, you need man. a break. That's yeah, good you advice. Just, you, it's, it, you, you, you can't take it all on all the time. Um, having said that, uh, when you do recharge, we need you and there won't just be justice. There's going to be systemic change. We are going to figure out how to recraft this country into one that works for everybody. Um, we're not going to care who has to lose to do it. Now, before we go, I want to ask you this. Are you scared of coronavirus and the uptick in cases that we're seeing? The whole fucking map now is like red. It's like the end of training day when Denzel Washington <laughs> looks around and says, I'm putting cases on all you motherfuckers. That's coronavirus. Cases and cases and cases everywhere. It's so weird. The one place where shit is steady is New York. Well, that's crazy. Everything that Dr. Fauci has predicted is happening. And we're still in the first wave, right? We're approaching fall, the winter, other things are going to be happening. Am I scared? I'm scared for my parents. I'm scared mm -hmm. for my grandmother, my aunt, like people who are older. Um, mm -hmm. I'll tell you this. I know somebody who, because you know, now it's the average age is 35. I know yeah. someone whose family got it because a sister had it and passed it along to other people in the family. Mm -hmm. I got a text today. She's less than 25. The sister couldn't breathe, couldn't feel her body and was rushed to the hospital. She's okay now, mm -hmm. thank God. But it's but people need to understand it's still affecting young people. But am I I'm am, I'm not I'm not necessarily as scared for myself as I am for my older family members. I actually have to get on a plane this weekend. Mm. And I know I'm gonna do everything I can to protect myself and to cover myself, but there's only so much you can do. At the end of the day, we still have to live life. It's just do it responsibly. Wear your mask, people. Please yeah. wear your mask. Wear your mask. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll tell you what I'm concerned about. Like, I live here in downtown LA and mm -hmm. I used to do walks and runs and jogs and stuff like that. And when I walked 
I see businesses and I see people in these businesses that are, um, that like I got to know and they're dropping like flies. Uh, these places are dropping like flies, like community businesses, businesses down here near, I'm not talking about big chains and stuff like that. I'm talking about my comic book shop. Yeah. Yeah. You know, places like that, they're gone. Now, what I'm trying to tell you guys is you think that a shutdown is actually what's costing these businesses their livelihood. You're only partially right. What's costing these businesses their livelihood is the fact that you won't fucking act right. Yeah. That's what's <laughs> costing them. What's costing these people uh, their ability to go in and make money as a small business is you won't do what the fuck you're supposed to do. You won't wear a mask so that we can actually go back and forth into these places and suppress the spread of the disease. You won't go out and gather in 200, 300 groups, people doing whatever so that we can actually uh, keep the disease at a manageable level so we can have some sort of commerce, right? Like, so you can have some sort of stuff. Like, you want to go out in Miami and party and go out all these places and party and then bring it back to L.A. or bring wherever. I'm not indicting South Florida. I'm not indicting Houston or indicting any of the other places or Atlanta where you've seen these videos because it's going on here too. If we could exhibit some level of self-control, we could buy time to where we could operate the economy and uh, public health concerns at a level to where we could have a little bit of what we had six, seven, eight months ago. Yeah. But because we're such an all or nothing community and society that seems incapable of making a tiny sacrifice for the greater good, we are going to continue to do damage if we don't wake up to our economy, to our psyche, and to our public health that might not, that might be irreversible. And like wearing your mask, you dumb fuck, is so such specific. a small thing to do. Look, you, people saying I can't breathe in a mask. They got the I can breathe in mine. They got the mask that you can breathe in and out in. Listen. Just wear the mask. Just wear it. Like it. They, it like you know. It's it's so funny. I see I see people that go into drugstores, right? They go into drugstores. They get prescriptions for stuff, and then they take it, right? They take it, and then it helps their body. All right, that's what happens. You go to a doctor. A doctor. You'd ask the doctor, "Hey, what should I do?" The doctor says, "Take this prescription, and it'll help you." And then what do you do? You do what the doctor says. Eight months ago, if if a doctor tells you, hey, you need to take this pill once a day for your blood pressure to go down, your penis to work, to help you with cancer, to help whatever, you take the pill. It's doctors that are telling you to put the mask on. Why? <laughs> like, like, why would you listen to a guy about your blood pressure and not listen to him about a deadly infectious disease? Because Americans are arrogant. They're selfish and they think that they're invincible. Stop. Stop politicizing this disease. People are dying. This isn't a joke. It's not because we have more testing. I don't care what your president is saying. I don't care what your vice president is saying. I don't care what your governor or your mayors of your local cities are saying. People are out here dying. This disease is real. People are unemployed. It is shutting down the economy. And it is all because you are selfish It takes Mm. nothing to put on a mask, to wash your hands. And if you can't do that, just stay inside. Stay inside. You are the problem, period. Right. 
All right, look. Let's do it. We ended the podcast on a very emotional note. Uh, listen, guys, we are we just want the best for y'all out here at Higher Learning. And when we say thought warriors and put your thinking caps on, some things you don't need to think that much about. Doctor tells you, hey, do this. It'll help. Fucking do it. Do it. That's it. I'm Van Lathan. <laughs> I'm Rachel Lindsay. Oh, by the way, just to let you guys know, we'll come back real quick, uh, is you only get one one visit with the Thought Warriors because we got a holiday weekend, so we out of here. So extra only day one off. extra day off, only one this week. But we'll see you guys next week. Till next time, Thought Warriors. Peace out. <laughs> <laughs>